Welcome to the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Thomas, you can find us on the web at revivallife.church. I'm just doing what I feel like God told me to do. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> we don't need to do all that shouting. Well, what's not shouting got you? I ain't never silenced my way into a breakthrough. I never got to complain my way into a breakthrough. I got to shout in joy and victory my way into a breakthrough. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on. I feel like somebody got, somebody got something. You can sit down now. You just, the Holy Ghost is on you right now. That's one of them words that are like on 350 for three hours. You know what I'm talking about? You just bake under that word for a little bit. Comes out, the cheese is caramelized, you know, you stuff underneath is all mixed together you're like oh that's what was been happening oh that's oh that's why we use the green peppers that's why we use the i don't like cooked green peppers but you know what i'm talking about that's too much like a cooked vegetable for for your pastor here we're gonna we're gonna read mark chapter one shake haba man i mm, 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 mm. shaba who encountered the holy ghost and come on somebody come on somebody all right here we go no it's gonna be this is gonna be good too uh, Mark chapter 1, starting in verse 21, I believe. Oh, Shabbat. Ah, all right, here we go. <clears throat> they went into Capernaum. How much you like Jesus coming to your church, Mike? That's, I feel like, that, it's, well, you were on earlier. You're on earlier. It's a good feeling. What do you think, Courtney? Going to church with Jesus is good, huh? So good. Come on now. Good, yeah? Yes, sir. He's like the chorus. He's like your third singer. He's like, you can't get a chord with two notes. You need three, right? Oh, say Come it on, again. somebody. All right, verse 21. Jesus and his homies, right? They, they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, Jesus entered the synagogue and began to teach. And they were amazed at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one having authority, not as the scribes. Just then there was a man in the synagogue with an unclean spirit and he cried out saying, What business do you have with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him saying, Be quiet and come out of him. After throwing him into convulsions and crying out with a loud voice, the unclean spirit came out of him. And they were all amazed so they debated among themselves, saying, What is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. Immediately, the news about him spread everywhere into all the surrounding region of Galilee. This is the word of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. Thank you, Mike. Hallelujah. Listen, we are, we are, oh man, I'm, 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 pastor's on one today, I'll tell you what. Um, we're in our message series, if you're joining us, if you've, if you've, uh, you, you, you go, okay, didn't know if you heard me, I don't know. Uh, we're in our message series, I'm listening, hearing God for breakthrough and blessing. We got people fasting all over the church, that's why the Holy Ghost is coming in stronger power. We've made room for Him in our lives, and so God is moving. 
we, 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 we live in a world who doesn't know God. We know that, right? Unfortunately, we get mad at the world for living like they don't know God because they don't know God. And judging the world for not knowing God when they don't know God is stupid. How many know about that? How many know about that? Right? The power of the devil, the world thinks that there's some sort of cosmic battle going on in the heavens where God is trying to figure out what the devil's doing and he's trying to stop his plans. Oh, maybe I can get Brianna over here to pray on a Tuesday or maybe I can get Isaac over here on a Thursday to go. Maybe I can. And, and, and there's like so the devil is doing his sneaky thing and God is surprised. That, that's, that, that's not how it works. Here, here, here's how it works. God speaks truth into existence. The devil lies against it. That's the whole battle right there. That is the whole battle right there. The devil has no power of his own. He only, gives, he only has power that is given to him by believers with authority. And the devil, his power is to lie. His number one tool is the lie. Jesus said that he is the liar. He said to those who would lie against him that your father is the father of lies, speaking of the devil. And the power to make a lie look like the truth is what the devil specializes in. He is engaged in a misinformation campaign against our God. And if we're going to walk in blessing and breakthrough, we need to hear the voice of God. Amen? Amen. This is what we need. We need to hear God. Now, the world doesn't know what's coming. They don't have any idea. And God may not tell us exactly, oh, hey, on April 3rd, this is happening in the stock market, or on June 27th, this is going to happen to your child. But he does prepare us in ways we don't even know because we're followers of God. We're not tossed to and fro like the world who has no idea and is out there on their own. We actually, if you hear God's voice, he's preparing you for the future. And, and, and we have this assurance that the world doesn't have that we're not on this planet alone. We have someone guiding us. We have a life coach. We have a spirit guide. We have an unseen force. His name is Jesus. And he leads us into all truth. Amen. And this is what we want for our life. But let's, let's dig into the text here this morning. As we read out of the gospel of Mark, Mark is, as we've taught, if you are new to the Bible and you want to learn more about the Bible, I would recommend you go on our website and we have a message series. It was five weeks called Four Gospels, One Jesus. We taught about the four gospels, what they're unique, who the audience was, what the goal of each gospel was, the writer, the, just all the good stuff behind it. And I would really recommend you go access that resource. It was really good. But just as a recap, we know that Mark was the first gospel that was written. Uh, he was most likely a disciple of Peter, and he learned about Jesus from Peter. Now, tradition tells us that Peter and James, as we talked about two weeks ago, uh, James uh, was arrested. Mark, at some point, you have to change the lights, just FYI. Um, so James and Peter were arrested, and they were put in prison. We learned this, um, it was about, by King Agrippa, about AD 41. Uh, in Acts 12, we learned that James was murdered, and Peter was set free by these angels in this angelic encounter. You remember that, yeah? And um, we learned that Peter then, when he got out of prison, uh, he went to Antioch. We learned this in 1 Peter. He went to Antioch, where the main hub was after Jerusalem was being sieged. And uh, when he left Antioch, he went to all the churches in Asia Minor, and then he traveled uh, to Rome. But before he got there, 
um, he met up with uh, Mark. He met Mark, and Mark became his interpreter. He would preach, and Mark would, in, would preach in the local language wherever he went. And so Mark became a disciple of Peter's messages by interpreting his message. Then after a time in Rome, Mark was sent out, and he founded the church in Alexandria. You're like, is this, are, is this okay? I just think, I think it's important stuff to know. He went and he, this isn't just, you know, some fables. This is history. This is, this is real, right? When we read the New Testament, this is real. This all actually happened. And so Mark left Rome. He was sent out to found the church in Alexandria. Alexandria was one of the five main churches in the, in the first century uh, Christianity. And it was called the Holy See, S-E-E. There were these uh, capitals of different churches, what today is the Orthodox looks at these holy sees. There is a handful of holy sees. One's in Rome, Alexandria. There was one in um, uh, what is now, I can't think of it, but just trust me, I know what I'm talking about. Uh, and, um, and so he was the bishop of this area. And while he was bishop, Mark decided to write the story of Jesus because it hadn't been written. And that is where we get the gospel of Mark. Mark later became known as Mark the Evangelist because he wrote this gospel, which is the preached good news. Gospel means good news, but, but the, the form of the verb, the way it's conjugated, it is a spoken, is a preached good news. The good news is not good news unless you tell it to somebody, amen? It's got to be spoken to somebody. It's not just good news that's floating out there in the ether. Good news that is preached. It's, it's preached. And so, and so John, you know, we, we see the difference in the gospels. Again, I don't have time to go deeply into this, uh, but they're, they're all different because they're written by different people in different times to different audiences. If you read the Gospel of John, John is like some sort of philosopher. He's up there like, uh, in the beginning, what's the Word? And the Word was with God. The Word was God. You're like, wait, what? We beheld His glory as the only God. Like, what are you talking about? If you read John and you understand everything, we got to have a conversation because I, you, you might be a little deceived. I'm going to bring you out of darkness into light. John is like, what are you talking about? Like, what, who are you talking to? Like, I got to learn the Greek. I got to figure out what you're talking about. That is not Mark. If you're one of those people who are like, I don't got time. Like, 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 sometimes my wife wants to tell me a story. And I'm just like, can we just get to the, just what, where are we going with this? She's like, no, no, listen, I got to tell you the story. And so she said this, and I was like, no, can we get to the point of the story, please, right? Like, 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 and she's like, so we're having chicken instead of steak. I'm like, how could you just, I don't, I don't care why we're having chicken instead of, just tell me where I don't, and as a matter of fact, I'm going to go to the table and whatever's in front of me, I'm eating it. So just get just, let's just get to that. I don't even... That's John. John's going to tell you the whole cosmic background of stuff. Mark is just like, let's, let me just tell you about Jesus. And so Mark, in his wisdom, as the, as, the, as the Holy See in Alexandria, writes this gospel. And I want you to hear this for today's church. In the first, what we now know is of 21 verses, he gets to a story where Jesus is not some cosmic floating in the ether guy. He's casting devils out of people. This is one of the first things he wants people to know about Jesus. He casts the devil out of people. He encounters them and they get free. This is who Jesus is to Mark. It's like all that other stuff is great and all that, but it don't matter the cosmic mystery if you got demons. <laughs> 
If you're beating your kids and you're addicted, it don't really matter about the cosmic. Boy, and he was this, and then we beheld him. Yeah, but have you been delivered? This is what Mark is worried about. See, Mark is running a church. John's out there philosophizing on the island of Patmos and called me into the, and then I saw the wheel within the, like, what are you talking about? I saw a creature with eyes. I was like, man, you know John had some time writing his books. Mark's like, I got to pastor some knuckleheads and I got to let them know. When I pastor you, I'm going to cast some devils out of you. Can I want you to know that this is what Jesus did too? Because I'm tired of dealing with your demons, right? I'm tired. Oh, Jesus. I'm not going down that road right there. Mm, mm, mm. I just, oh, Shabba. Okay, Carl, reel it in. Ah, deliverance. Let me tell you this, though. He didn't talk about you need a Bible study, right? Like, that's not what he started with. He didn't start with, let's have a kumbaya meeting. We just need to go out and, no, no, no. He's like, no, no, no. We're going to talk about fasting and 24-hour prayer. No, no, no. He said, listen, here's what Jesus did. Jesus showed up and cast the devils out of people. Like, that's just who, that's what he says right here at the beginning of his book, he's like, this is a supernatural God who operates differently than how you operate in the world. I'm telling you, God is raising up a church that believes in the supernatural today. Amen. Yeah, we don't need just better universities that are called church. We don't need better life coaches that are called church. I mean, I, I, we need good families. We need good finances. But my God, go take a course on money management and learn about Jesus in church. Amen? This is what we do here. We, how do you operate in the unseen realm, in the realm of truth? This is what we do. So let's, let's, let's unpack this story, because I believe God in this day and age is raising up some people in South Florida who understands their power over the devil and demons. Amen? Amen. They've been deceived for too long. Let's unpack this story, and let's just try to... I'm going to go quickly, I think. I'm going to try to, but no promises. Hallelujah. So let's take a little look at this story. Mark chapter 1, verse 21. <clears throat> go ahead, Josh. Um, they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, Jesus entered the synagogue and began to teach. And they were amazed at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one having authority and not the scribes. Okay, what does that mean? Like, we, we, when we read the Bible here, we're going to have to learn. Like, not everything in the Bible is revelation. There is some understanding that we need to have. Let me unpack some of this for you. In the days of Jesus, the two largest groups were the Pharisees and the Sadducees. You've heard of them, yes? Okay. Now, the Pharisees ran the synagogues. The Sadducees ran the temple. The people who worked in the, in the synagogues among the Pharisees were also the scribes. The scribes were like the, the lawyers of Jewish law. Because Judaism was a very legalistic religion. They, the Mishnah, the way the... The rabbis had interpreted it now. How you carry out various laws was extremely important. And the longer they got away from God's voice, the more formulaic and legalistic it became. Does that make sense? And so when you would get married or you would buy a plot of land and you would have to do whatever, you would go to a scribe and the scribe would then say, you've fulfilled this law, you've been according to that law, it's all done well. And so here we have Jesus going into the synagogue challenging the Pharisees. Uh, there, there were no prophets in the land then because the prophets had not spoken. We don't have any recorded prophets since Malachi in the way we have the Bible set up 
uh, in, our, in our book here. Some believe the Maccabees had a prophetic voice, but we don't, we don't necessarily have that in our Protestant Bibles. But there were no prophets in the land at that time, though we learned later there were some who prophesied. But Jesus is in there saying, um, the, the rabbis and the Pharisees, I know your teachings, but I'm teaching something different. And here's what you need to understand about this. We have a very different relationship with the Old Testament than Jews had. I'm not saying that's good. I'm not saying it's bad. But the way we look at the Old Testament is different than how Jews look at the Old Testament. We believe, many Protestants, many Pentecostal Protestants at that, believe just me and the Holy Spirit can read the Old Testament. God's going to speak to me and I get my own revelation, right? This is not how the Jews have a relationship with the Holy Scriptures. What they believe is, just like there are Scripture, there's also a history of rabbis who have taught the book. And as they have taught the book over years, their history, their tradition, helps us to understand the book. We don't understand it on our own. We have to understand it within community. We understand this story within the shared collective experience of the entirety of Jewish history. This is what our chief rabbis have believed. This is what we understand from the scriptures. Nobody would stand up and say, well, Ezekiel this, this says that, or Leviticus this, this said that, because the numbers didn't even get into the book until way after Jesus. So there was no quoting, well, this, this. and You notice nobody says, well, you know, in Jeremiah 14, it says that. Nowhere in the New Testament do they ever do that. Jesus just quotes the scripture because they understood the story behind the scripture and they understood what the rabbis teach about the scripture. This is why Jesus said, you heard it said, but I say. And so there's this collective history of interpreting the scriptures of all the rabbis. And that's why he said, because of the traditions of men, the word of God is of no authority in your life. Because they were so listening to what all these people said about the scriptures, they lost the story of what God was actually saying. Does that make sense? And so when, amen, amen. So I just, this helps to understand what's happening. So when Jesus goes in and teaches differently, he's not just saying, I'm disagreeing with you. He's saying, I'm disagreeing with you, the rabbi you studied under for 30 years, the rabbi who's dead, who you believe, who has the Mishnah for the last several hundred years, right? Like he's like, I am, I am disagreeing with your whole tradition. How you believe God is speaking to people, I'm speaking something different. Now, of course, there were different rabbinical schools of thought like, like there are today. You know, one person may say this about taxation, another person says that about taxation. They both believe it very solidly. Uh, so in the this tradition of the Jews, they had very different groups who believed different things. And believe it or not, there's like a teaching, I don't want to go too far down this rabbit hole, but there's a teaching that says uh, that the, the Old Testament is perfect, and if any dot or tittle was wrong, they would have to throw away the whole Old Testament and start over. The fact is, just, have we have, just like we have different translations of the Bible today, they did it as well. There were different versions of the Old Testament in the days of Jesus. There was the Septuagint, which was translated into Greek, was a Greek translation that most people used and what the Christians wound up using. And there was the, the Masoretic text, a very different text. Not, not radically different, but there are subtleties to it that are different. The Christians used the Septuagint and the scriptures behind the Septuagint. So the Jews decided they were not going to use that 
they were going to use the Masoretic text, which for whatever reason we use today. And so if you ever read, I'm just, is this good? Is this, are y'all learning anything here? Okay. So when you read the New Testament and you say, and, and, and Jesus quotes the Old Testament, go back in the Old Testament, it'll be different. Why? Because he was quoting the Septuagint. He read a different version. And if you are an academic, I recommend the Lexham Septuagint. I really enjoy reading it. Uh, that's, that's the version I like to read when I read the Old Testament. It's neither here nor there. Read the one in your Bible. It's going to work. Just read any Bible. I don't care what version. Don't read the Jehovah Witness Bible. But other than that, just read any version you got. Because that was fan fiction, right? That one's fan fiction. That one's not, that's not the real deal, right? So, so when, when um, are we still friends? Is that all right? I don't mean to speak about your, you know, Jehovah Witness grandma, but it ain't. <clears throat> Hallelujah. And so, um, and so, so there was this, this, this version of, it's much like philosophy today. You have a school of philosophy that you subscribe to, and then you speak, you, you have debates or with other philosophers. It's the same way in theology. In every social science, there's this same kind of style. So there's this academic style of teaching where you refer to everyone who came before you, and you build all your conclusions on what came before you. And in the very first chapter of Mark, Mark wants us to know that Jesus was not continuing that tradition. Jesus was coming to start something very new, right? Very, very new. And so people were there while he was teaching, and the scriptures say, next one please, uh, Josh. It says, and they were amazed at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one having authority, not like the scribes. So you see the difference here. These people, like they're just saying, oh, it's not me, it's, it's rabbi whatever. I, don't, I wish I knew the rabbi's names in the Mishnah. I have a copy. I don't memorize their names, believe it or not. Um, but Jesus actually came with authority. And, and, and the, the rabbis could decide what the consensus was based on their tradition. Um, and that kind of authority was okay. Just like we quote the Apostles' Creed every Sunday to say, we're continuing a tradition. I want to be tied to the early church, right? That's why we do it. Uh, and, and that's nothing wrong with that. But they were alarmed because Jesus seemingly had the authority to not only teach, but when he taught, it compelled people to be a resident of the kingdom of God. He, he was not compelling them to subscribe to one rabbi's theory. He wasn't trying to get one school of thought or one political party. He wasn't trying to amass power for himself. He was pointing them to the kingdom of God. And, and, and that, there, was, there was an authority in that. And people were like, what is happening now? They thought he was teaching a new school. He was going to do a new school of rabbis. No, he was prophesying a new kingdom. The other ones could, could, could appeal to authority. But again, he was prophesying the kingdom of God. And here's what we have to recognize if we're going to be disciples of the word. Next one, please, Josh. Uh, we all follow a tradition. We all do. Chances are wherever you first got disciple, where you first got saved, where you first learned to read the Bible, that's probably how you read the Bible today. If your church specialized in one thing, that's what you think is the most important thing in Christianity today. Where you got discipled is most likely what you emphasize. And in, to come out of that is often painful. It, to unlearn what you learned in the beginning sometimes is a little rough when you recognize the kingdom of heaven is a little bigger than what I specialized in at first. Uh, most don't know that what we learned as a child shapes what we believe today. What you learned as a baby Christian mostly informs your Christianity today unless you did the work 
of figuring it out on your own, but what you learned as a child is what you believe today. The Bible rightly teaches us, train up a child in the way they should go and... Right? You will not depart from it. Right? No, go back, Josh, if you would. So it says, train up a child the way it should go, and then you shall not depart from it. And do you know what comes next? Oh, we say that all the time. It's pretty important, train up a child the way it should go, and you shall not depart from it. That's actually not the end of the Bible. Put it up, Josh. Next one. The rich rules over the poor. And the borrower becomes a slave of the lender. Go back. So show that I'm not lying. Go back one. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he grows older, he will not depart. Abandon it. Next one. The rich rules over the poor. And the borrower becomes a lender slave. That's, I'm, just tell, I'm just teaching you the Bible. I'm just reading the Bible to us right now. Those are in order for a reason. And, and as we find out, the greatest predictor of a child's future income is the parent's wealth. By far. Because what the kids learn at home is what they will live. If you have not mastered these things in your life, what you're saying is, I'll let my children deal with those problems. You just, there's an inheritance waiting for your children. And it's everything you don't deal with. We got to deal with some stuff. Come on, somebody. We got to deal with some things. If not for me, for my kids. You don't get your abandonment issues fixed. Your children, you're saying, oh, y'all, y'all. I mean, because there's all, you own it. Where does it go? Okay, when you die, they're going to sell all your stuff, right? Everything, all that cool stuff that you've been saving forever, they're going to sell it off, right? All everything you own, all the blessings that are in your life, get to go to somebody else, right? All the curses on your life, where they go? These family things that happen, what, what? They go somewhere. We believe in generational wealth, yes? I believe that I, could, I can do a breakthrough in finances that my children can walk in. If I teach them to be faithful to God in their finances, be faithful in prayer, God is going to make a way out of no way in your finances. I, I absolutely believe that. There are generational blessings. God says, I will bless those who bless you. I, I believe that I am blessed. My family's blessed. And those who sow into my family will come away blessed. But the Bible also speaks of generational curses. We live in a sin-saturated world, and the Bible says that we are a slave to sin unless we are set free by the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. And anywhere you choose not to be set free by the redemptive work of Jesus Christ, you are a slave in that area. I feel the conviction of the Holy Ghost right now in my life. We all got to tighten up a little bit. We got to tighten up because it's going to go somewhere. Next one, Josh. Jesus came to break generational curses and bring us into the blessing of God. Can you say amen? amen. And that requires us to adopt a new tradition. We got to do that on purpose. We got to do that on purpose. Next one. Last, last message series, maybe two message series ago. Next one, please, Josh. I taught a message talking back. You remember this message series, yeah? Did you get anything out of that? Next slide, please. We talked, about, we talked about deceitful ideas appeal to disordered desires that are normalized in sinful society. Remember this, right? And, and, and leave that up if you would. When we think of that often, we, our mind goes to the most awful things. 
It's like when you, you witness to somebody who grew up calling themselves some sort of Christian, you know, like you meet an Episcopalian or a, a Lutheran, and you're like, uh, you know, are, are you saved? And you're like, ah, my daddy was Lutheran. And you're like, okay, are you going to heaven? I've never killed anybody. Like, well, good, you know, here's a cookie. You know, like, we know we're not supposed to kill people. That's good job. You've been the, done the bare minimum to be part of society. That's awesome. Good, good for you. I never raped anybody. Well, that's good. I try to be good. Congratulations again. We think about these, these when we think about the sin, uh, this, this, these disordered desires, we think about these fleshly sins. We, know, we normally immediately go to fleshly sin because we think performance. I have to earn God's love. And so I'm being good. Since I'm being good, God will be good to me. No, God's already good. And the fact that you're breathing displays God's goodness. Because he reigns on the just and the unjust. He's just good, right? And, and, and we, we think of it wrong. That, that's surface stuff. There's deeper stuff that we're seeing in our country today. We, there's just crazy stuff that we're seeing in our world today. That, that sin that's being normalized. White supremacy. Like, I thought we dealt with this. I, I thought we had a, several wars about this. We had one in World War II. We had a little war about white supremacy. It's a problem. It's a demonic mindset that millions of people died over the japanese had the same racism they thought that they were their, they were the god's chosen people and that their emperor was god and i don't know if it's called asian supremacy i don't know what that's called but that was just as sinful as what hitler did they were doing the same thing we had a war before in the 1860s about the very same thing and today, people are still arguing it because this sin is being normalized in sinful society. Oh, pastor, are you woke? I don't, there's no definition to woke, that I, I, but I know that I'm not a racist. And I know that racists are in sin, I'll tell you that much. And if that convicts you or that bothers you and offends you, it's time to get right with Jesus. That's, that's what your pastor believes right now. And so if that's a deal breaker, I hate to break it to you, the deal's broken because I'm following Jesus. We're going to speak out about this in this, in this church. We're going, to talk, we're going to talk about misogyny. We'll talk about racism. I, I don't, I like, but, but, but white people are being, whatever, right? Like, you know, get, you know, you got 400 years to make up for it. Just, just hold your lane for a little bit, right? Like, just wait a little bit for someone else to come up. Can we do that? You know, this country is going to be brown in 100 years. It's going to use... My brown son is clapping. <laughs> Cecia, you don't, we're not, we can't lose a worship leader over this. She's like, I'm out of here. She's brown. It's, I have nothing to gain from this theology at all. I'm, this is at my peril, but I don't have time to go down there. I'm going to say one more thing about that. I just, I just will. Here, here's what you notice, and, and then I'm a, <clears throat> you'll see this in a second in the scripture. When powerful people start to lose their power, you see their real character because the ones with good character don't have a problem with it. But those who are worried that they'll get treated the way they treated people when they were powerful, those are the ones who manifest. I'm afraid you're going to treat me the way I... I'm just going to put that out there. Amen. <clears throat> But can we go a layer deeper than that? Is that all right? Can, can I say? That's just, let's go a layer deeper than that. 
Go on more, Josh. My, my, my clicker, my clicker's not clicking today. I don't know what's going on here. It's let me down. My clicker let me down today. I'm going I'm to get this thing figured out. Let's go deeper. I'm not good enough. I can't trust people. I'll never get ahead. Things don't work out for me. I probably deserve to have this misery that I'm living in right now. Probably my fault. These are lies as well. These are deceitful ideas that appeal to your disordered desires. And that kind of talk is normalized in our society. Just why is being nice to yourself so difficult? I'm not talking about being prideful. I'm talking about just don't echo the worst voices in your life. Don't animate them. Don't, don't give them energy. Don't put your faith on the devil's lies. Now God starts messing with your identity. These are the lies that speak to your very identity and who you are. These, these are the terrible, terrible lies of the devil. People talk about when the, when the, when, when the, at the end of our society, when a big war happens or, you know, the preppers are stocking up their guns and ready to shoot people. Their underlying belief is that I have to kill people to survive. I would talk to Christians who are concealed carry people and I'm like, what, what are you scared of? Why do you walk in so much fear that you feel like you might have to kill somebody to get through life? Do you not trust Jesus? Do you think Jesus can't protect you? Well, I got to protect my faith. You don't think Jesus cares about your family? What lie are you believing that you are normalizing carrying a murder weapon? Hey, if you, I'm, I'm, I, I'm not against guns. Guns are inanimate objects. I'm against people not examining what lies are at work in their lives so they are animating them and feeling they got to protect themselves from something only the devil is telling them. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The liar has authority anywhere a lie is believed. And we can't spot the lie where we don't know the truth. So we got to get in this word to study it so we can know the truth and the truth can set us free. Amen. Jesus came speaking the truth in the synagogues and it went totally against their lie-based structures of power and authority. He was saying there's no pyramid, no man is going to be above other people. We are going to be just you and God. And no one's going to get rich off of your relationship. We are going to just love God. And the temple authorities were like, that is crazy. We can't do that. We'll all be broke. We read about what happened in Acts. We went to Ephesus and found out that there was no real God in Ephesus. And they're like, but people come from all over to come worship at this place and we'll go broke. And so they went to murder the apostle Paul because he was tearing down their God because he came at their power structure. We know that when Muhammad started Islam, there was a, a pagan festival that went every year and they went and they brought their idols and they circled this thing and went Islam was spreading, there was, this, there was this pushback, and then, magically, Muhammad got a revelation that everybody should go on a hajj once a year to that city, so he could appease those who would come against him, and so now every year, people go to Saudi Arabia, and they circle this black rock, this magic rock that they throw stones at, and millions of people, because, so the city can still get rich off this religious ritual. Christians have no such thing. 
We have no such ritual. We have no such empowering of people at the expense of the gospel. And I want you to hear this. Your value is not based on what someone can get out of you. Your value is based on who created you and whose image you are made in. The living God, the loving God, the Father of glory who loves you with an everlasting love and sent His Son to die on a cross for you. Next scripture, Josh. I want you to know that John 1.12 says, But as many as received him, to them he has given the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. Genesis 1.27, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5, God says, Before I knew you, before you were formed in the womb, I knew you. 1 Peter 2, verse 9 says, But you, say me, You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. This is who you are. This is who you are. And the belief systems that you have that go against that are a lie and they empower the enemy in your life. If you do not believe these things to be true for you, you believe a lie. And in so doing, you're empowering the liar. And when Jesus moves in, he wants to set the whole house in order. He's not just preserving you for heaven. But that would be enough. If If he just promised you in eternity, in the presence of God, that would be enough. But wait, There's more, right? You get in this lifetime, you get to live in communion with God. You get to know his freedom. You get to know his love. You get to know his joy. You get to know his purpose in your life. But you have to see these issues as the oppression of the devil. You have to see that there is an enemy behind all of this. And he wants you to believe a lie so that he can keep you from walking in freedom. Let's go to, let's look at our scripture again, Mark chapter 1. Here's what's going to happen. I am going to preach a little bit more, and then we're going to pray freedom over the room. And this week, we're going to be in the Word. We're going to be declaring, get, you can download the 21 days of prayer and fasting. If you haven't joined us yet, say, Jesus, forgive me. I have fallen short of your glory restore me to righteousness, right? Then begin with us. We're going we're gonna to recite declarations over ourselves every day this week because we're going to walk in who God called us. Amen? Amen. I need you to hear this. I, I just, I want, I want like, <clears throat> Jesus died for you to be free. Amen. He really wants you to have a good life. He really wants you to have a life in his presence. Like, you have gifts that we need. There's people around you who need the breakthrough that you've come into. Every believer has a ministry. Bless you. In this church, we need it. We need the freedom. We need the, we need the breakthrough. We need the authority. We need the love. We need the, the care. But we need to believe the truth. Mark chapter 1, verse 23. 
It says, then, then, just then, there was a man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit. And he cried out. Started screaming at Jesus. What, what business do you have, Jesus of Nazareth? I want, you to, I want you to hear this. Jesus was called to set first the Jews free, right? He said, my calling is to the children of Israel. Right? He shows up in the synagogue. And what does the devil say to him? What business do you have with us? <clears throat> I, I'm okay. <clears throat> the devil comes immediately wanting to, to, to stoke insecurity. Question your calling. Question your anointing. Oh, who am I? Who am I? Who am I? Well, maybe I shouldn't. Maybe I. That's the devil. Wow, what do you think you're going to get out of debt? Why, why do you think that you're going to have a good job? Why, who are you to think that your kids are going to turn out? What, you, you have a ministry. What? Come on. No, yeah, yeah, no. I, I, see, the devil doesn't know what you've heard God say in the secret place. All he can do is see what you're doing and guess and lie against the truth. And the devil overplayed his hand right here in Jesus' moment. What are you doing? What business do you have here? Business? Oh, I'm not like the scribes who are conducting business in the synagogue. Uh-uh. I ain't doing business. I'm doing my father's business. You see, I'm not here just looking because you think I'm somebody. I'm here because God said I'm somebody. And I have come with authority in this realm right now. See, Jesus, he was called to Israel. He was called also to be the chief rabbi. He's also called the high priest. So whether you're a Pharisee or a Sadducee. Jesus is actually above every one of those religious structures right now. And when God comes upon you, all of a sudden there's an authority that you walk in that other people in the room don't necessarily know, but they begin manifesting when you walk in the room in your anointing. Come on, somebody. What you don't understand is maybe what you have been dealing with this last week is not your failure. Maybe it's, maybe it's not what you did wrong, but maybe it's the anointing that's inside of you shaking loose some demonic powers and those things are coming against you because they think that they're going to stop you because you don't know what your real call is. But I'm here to tell you what you've been going through this last week. It's not you. It is the devil. And he's trying to come against what God is doing in your life. And if you will just stand up and say, I refuse to identify with this chaos that's having around me. I refuse to identify with the demonic manifestations around me. This has nothing to do with me. This is the anointing that my father has put upon me. And the enemy sees it saying, what authority do you have here, Carl? What authority do you have here, Duke? What authority do you have here, Rich? And you say, God has sent me in this realm right here. I'm not here under my own authority. I know what I'm created for. I know what I've been called to do. And I'm walking boldly into my call. I'm going to walk right into the blessing God is calling me into. I'm walking right into the future God is calling me from. He's calling you from a better future. And when you hear his voice and you walk into it, all the demons that are living in that place start manifesting, saying, oh, you're the problem. You're the problem. You're the problem. It's not me. It's not me. It's the man of God. It's you. You're causing all these problems. You're torn up everything. Like they said to Paul, are you the one who troubles all the region? No, 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 no. Mm -mm. I know you would like to believe that, 
The problem ain't me. The problem is that you ain't following Jesus. And I am. And the Lord is shifting things so that I come out on top. And because you see me rising to the occasion, you feel threatened. But I'm here to let you know the same God who blesses me can bless you if you would listen to Him and hear His voice, give your heart to Jesus and become a follower of Him. You can walk in the same anointing I'm walking in right now. But if not, watch out because everything that can be shaken will be shaken because the anointing of God is now on the scene. You see, when I walked in here, the atmosphere shifted in this place because the anointing of God is upon me. I've been anointed with the Holy Ghost and I got a word over my life. I'm not just here somebody guessing what God is saying. I'm not just hoping he's going to do something. You're talking, you're, that is not the kind of, I don't know who you think you're talking to. That's not the kind of man that's standing in front of you. You got a man right here who knows his God, who knows the promises over his life, who knows where God is taking him. I'm not worrying about you liking me. I'm walking in knowing that God God loves me, and I'm going to walk right into what God has for me. Can you say amen? Just receive it over your life right now. Receive it over your life right now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Where did Jesus encounter the demonic? In the Pharisees, in the Sadducees. It wasn't the fornicators. It wasn't the drunks. It wasn't the people with leprosy that were crying out and, and manifesting and trying to kill him? No, no, no. It was the oppressive powers of the day that were trying to keep him down is where he saw, what are you doing here? I'm taking over. That's what I'm doing here. That's what I'm doing here. This is what God is doing in our church right now. Mikey, come up if you would, please. Let me get to my band here. I gotta, I gotta, I'm going to let you out here soon. <clears throat> You see, Jesus knew the voice of his father. Come on, sissy. She came back good. All right. Whew. 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 She's like, I'm here to take over. Yeah. <laughs> then the service is coming where I'll stand up here and talk about you. Here, I love Cecia. That's a joke. I just need everybody to know that I love me some Cecia right here. I love me some Cecia, love me some Aletta, love me some Mikey, love me some Chris. See the call of God on his life, amen? Okay, okay, what, what do we do here? What do we do? Okay, pastor, you, you convince me, or at least I want to believe that I'm called to be blessed, right? I, 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 I may not fully believe it, but I'm at a place where I'm willing to believe it. You, you, I'm not, I'm, okay, I'm admit that I'm not there, but I'm willing to be there. What, what do I do? See, Jesus, it's like we have one God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Well, while Jesus was here on earth, he spent time alone hearing the Father's voice. Man, we got we to get alone with God. We got to hear. We got to read this book. I just, mm, I just, I see... There's people in the room that you have cried out to God, why? Why is this happening? Why haven't you shown up? What are these people like? And so your heart got jaded. Because your heart was hurt. And God didn't show up exactly when you wanted, but I'm here to tell you, He's here today. And I'm here to tell, I don't know, I heard that just now. That's not in my message. He heard your cry. 
He heard your cry. And He told me to tell you that today. He heard it. And He's got a better future for you. But Jesus got alone with God. And He prayed and He fasted to hear the truth. I'm going to keep using my little... Put, put my prayer and fasting thingy if you would there, please, Josh. There's freedom in the room, amen? There's freedom in the name of Jesus. There's freedom in this room. Hey, there's freedom in this room. This week, every day at noon, I'm going to do an Insta Live, and I'm just going to pray for you. It might be 10 minutes. It might be shorter, Chris. Who knows? But Carl's going to be on there, so it might be longer. But we're going to pray together. We're going to recite the declarations that are in this thing, and we're going to pray the Lord's Prayer. Because we want the, what the devil is doing to come off our lives. I don't know if you know this. There's a secret prayer that Jesus taught. It's super secret. It's so secret that most Christians don't pray it. It's called the Lord's Prayer. It, and he literally said, when you pray, pray this way. And part of the secret prayer that Christians don't actually pray these days is protect me from enemies. Deliver me from evil. I don't really believe in the devil. I don't, I don't believe in that. Well, you might have to take that up with Jesus because he literally told you you need to pray it every day. And the greatest lie the devil has ever convinced the church of is that the devil's not real. And that he doesn't have power today. Oh, Chelsea, I could run around the room right now. I just feel like God wants to set some people free. I feel like I want some people free more than they want to get free. But I don't care. I'm preaching the word of God in the name of Jesus. Listen, try to join us at noon. Set aside some time every day to pray and just say, God, speak to me about the truth. I mean, who knows the obstacles that are in your life? God does. Let, let me tell you this. I, I wasn't sure I was going to have time for this, and I don't. I'm going to say it anyways. There's a parable of the, in, in this one, in one, it's not a parable actually. Jesus encountered a fig tree. Fig tree. It's in the Bible. And he came upon this fig tree, and it was supposed to be producing fruit, and it, and it wasn't, right? And what did Jesus do? Like, oh, look at that. No, Jesus like, that thing is stealing resources, and it's not producing no fruit. And he cursed it. Some of y'all got some fig trees in your life. Just sucking the resources out of your life. And you're just like, oh, look at the dead fig tree. Oh, look at that. Oh, no, that's a, I just put money into that thing every month. I just put my heart into that thing every month. I just put my faith into that thing. I put my life into that. And Jesus is like, get that thing out of your life. I feel like some people in the room right now, you can get authority to speak to the fig tree and kill that thing off and get free of that thing that's sucking life out of you. Stand with me. Does that make sense to anybody in this room? You're going to speak to some fig trees this week. I feel like that's a word, Mikey. I feel like it's a word, Mikey. There's things in your life that are drawing your resources, but it's not producing a blessing. And God's going to make that make you aware of that thing. And you're going to speak to it, and it's going to die. Listen, we need to hear God. Give me a little bit of some song. Last scripture I'm going to say, then we're going to sing. Somebody brought this 
kid to Jesus who was like, hey, he's demon possessed and we couldn't cast the devil out of him. And Jesus, in two places, in Matthew and in, and in, and, and Mark, he's like, these don't come out except you've got to pray. And that doesn't mean like when you get a problem, now's the time to start praying. That's not what he was saying. He's like, you've got to spend some time with God. I used to wrestle demons. I used to fight demons. I used to, I used to have to scream at them. Do me a favor, dude. Can you take care of that for me? Thank you. I used to, I used to have these wrestling matches with demons. I, 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 I one time was at a, at a meeting and this guy was manifesting all over the place. He's rolling on the ground. I'm screaming at him and I'm like, he's getting away. Like he's, he's. <laughs> Get back here. What are you doing? I don't do that no more. I don't, I don't have wrestling matches with demons. See, I've been anointed by God to cast them out. See, I have authority over them. Any demon I see, I have authority over. I don't go looking for them, but when they show up, they got to go, right? You got to get out. I don't go looking for them, kind of like roaches. I don't be looking for them, but if I see it, I'm going to kill it, right? We're going to sing the name of Jesus, and here's what's going to happen. Oh, I feel the presence of God coming into the... Chris, you feel that? Did you feel that shift? I feel that shift right there. Shakaba. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. We're going to sing the name of Jesus, and as you sing, the devil's about to flee seven ways. We plead the blood of Jesus over the children in this church right now in the name of Jesus. We got the blood of Jesus over this. Shakaba. Here's what we're going to do right now. If you got a prayer language, pray in the spirit a little bit, but if, with your English, just repent of your sin right now. That's the beginning of deliverance right now. Just repent and get ha, Shabbat. Forgive me, Jesus. Be, be specific. Forgive me, Jesus, that I looked at those things or I said that thing or I went to that place. Oh, yep. Just, just say it just in the name of Jesus. Forgive me, Lord, for that attitude. Forgive me for that. Forgive me, forgive me, forgive me, Lord. I declare the blood of Jesus over my life. Come on. Build it up there, Mike. Come on. Jesus, now we ask in the name of Jesus. Ha. You ready, Cecilia? Give me some keys here. In the name of Jesus, I declare, devil, your season is coming to an end right here. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, 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 yeah. Someone's been dealing with an addiction. And the addiction is not the problem. The addiction is how you've been dealing with the problem. And the Lord is going to heal your heart. And then the addiction will fall away in the name of Jesus. You've been leaning on that substance a little too much. And it's, he's going to heal the thing. He's going to deliver you of the spirit of addiction because it's not going to have anywhere to live anymore because the Holy Ghost is coming into Oshakaba, Sedaba, Salaba, Ha, and, I, and someone, you've been manipulated, and the liar has been lying to you through somebody who manipulated your feelings. And ever since they manipulated your feelings, your things have been rocky since then. But the truth is coming through right now. The light, oh, I feel the manipulation right now. I feel the spirit right now. You do not have authority here. You do not have authority here. You are a liar. You've been a liar from the beginning.
Jesus in the streets Jesus in the streets